Hello, and welcome to Six Sheets Under. My name is Reggie. And I'm Jason. And today we are going to be discussing masquerade balls and key parties, because it's Halloween season. It's spooky season! And so who doesn't want to wear masks and get fucked? That is a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Masquerade balls always, or masquerade masks, always a popular... It's usually the easy choice. It's, it's, it's... It's referred to as baby's first BDSM for a lot of people when they're being like, I'm going to yeah. wear, I'm going to wear, I'm going to wear the mask and, you know, the schoolgirl outfit and be, you know, okay. I actually had a uh, partner who that was like kinkiest thing she ever did was get a like butterfly Victorian masquerade that was just the eyes. Bravo. And they thought it was just like the kinkiest, the kinkiest shit on the world. Thing. Yep. I mean, they went. Hey. If it that worked, was their if, comfort level. If it, if, it, if it worked for them, it worked for them. That's no, no, We're not going to stun on that. It worked for them. I mean... It, Did they, it work for you? I... <laughs> it's like, there's a lot of sequins. There was, I was, was going to say, if it, if it does it for you and it does it for them... Most but of their sequins. outfits were a lot of sequins. Oh, God, then I got everywhere was just itchy. Well, I mean, not everywhere on me, but... Mm-hmm. So I have some experience with the masquerade masks. I have none. Uh, I do have a little brief history of masquerades. Ooh, Wikipedia, please tell us the story, and Dad. I use more than Wikipedia. Come on, Dad. <laughs> you use Google, goddammit. I start with Wikipedia to get a base. And then you go with... The best are when you find articles and uh, like notes and stuff from college students trying to get theses. Thesi? Theses. And it's all their like student projects and like submissions and stuff. Those they've already done the research. You they've just, already done the work for you with and, charts, graphs, and a terrible PowerPoint nine times out of ten. And they have to cite their sources, so then you have a whole list of sources you get to use. Oh man, you do way more homework for this podcast than I assumed. Oh yeah, I love because I love like looking this stuff up because there's oh, always yeah. weird shit. There is weird shit. Like there's some in How the Grinch Stole Christmas with Jim Carrey. Right now, for everyone looking. I was taking a drink of water, I stopped, and I raised both of my eyebrows really curiously, because I want to know how this ties in. He, Jim Carrey is the Grinch, correct? Yeah. In the live action? Yeah. In the Whovian party, the Who's, there is a bowl with keys in it, a slight a little... family n- movie! A nudge, nudge, wink, wink for the parents. So it started, Masquerade started around the 15th century, during carnival season. That makes sense. And it was usually uh, celebrated the last Tuesday before Ash Wednesday. So that was like a big, like, we get out all our... Ah, cleanse all and get all the sin out right there. Get the right sin there. going and then you got your Lent and your Ash. and Like most good festivals back in that day, is let's commit all the sin now because we'll go to the guy, up, the guy upstairs with the funny hat and he'll be like, hey, you're all good now. And one of the major famous ones was the, uh, there was a, I believe it was a marriage celebration, because a lot of the masquerades then were used for high class marriages, courts, ruling classes. Yeah. There was one called the Wild Men's Ball, which was renamed the, or has been called the Burning Man's Ball, because the uh, masquerading men were wearing flak and other various very flammable clothing made from various plants 
to symbolize being wild spirits, huh. spirits of nature. The, the end of the and night. it ended when a drunken member of the court was wandering around with a torch and set four of them on fire. That do it. And they believe that that is the uh, influence for Edgar Allan Poe's story, The Hopping Frog, or The Hop Frog. Huh. Which is about a midget jester that gets pissed off at a court. And sets sets them all on fire for hitting his midget wife. And Hmm? they both escape. Sorry, dwarf. They use the word dwarf. (laughs) We're a politically correct family podcast here. Well, I couldn't remember what they referred it to in the actual book, but... They refer to it as... I believe it's. I believe the term they use in the book is dwarf. I'm a major Edgar Allan Poe fan, but that's one of the ones yeah. I haven't read in the ages. Yeah, but that was also they were supposed to be symbol like the Wildman's Ball. They were like demons or wild forces of nature, and they're finally going to be tied down with marriage. And then the idea, and then they got burned on fire. So I mean, and then the idea of that kind of morphed into, hey, let's all just go down to the strip club with the with the husband to be. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of guessing that's kind of what morphed into the modern day bachelor party a little. It sounds a little like it, doesn't it? Like it sounds like that's kind of like the proto idea for a bachelor party with less yeah. self immolation. <laughs> well, I mean, depending on you know the bachelor what your festivities party, are you know. And then uh, later in the 16th century, it's now starting to spread across Europe. It and it became more of a public event. Like people, like commoners, were throwing masquerade parties. However, it was really like the rich, so the rich elites that would do the big masks, the big gowns, because, I mean, they had the money for it. Yeah, at that point, it was really, the class divide was just like, Mm -hmm. you either have literal rags or you can afford clothes. Yeah. So. And then, uh, 17th and 18th centuries, it became really popular in mainland Europe. Now it's become a thing. People have masquerades, balls, um... One of the major ones in 1792, uh, Gustav III of Sweden was assassinated at a masquerade ball. Because, I mean... That's a damn bitch idea. Many, well, it's... How many assassination games have had masquerade balls? Assassin's Creed. Sure Assassin's Creed. I think, actually, Assassin's Creed had... It was, that was Unity, wasn't it? I never... I only played, like, a little bit of Assassin's Creed. I think Creed. Unity was actually directly referencing the masquerade ball in question you were talking about. Yeah. I can't. It don't kill me, Internet. I haven't played. The don't Assassin's, assassinate I'm, you with former Assassin's Creed. Yeah, don't, don't don't lynch me over it. But uh, I think they're actually because I know one of them took place in that era of France, mm-hmm. and I know there was like a masquerade ball in one of them. Most games that rely on stealth mechanics usually Hitman. have some form of masquerade. Oh, ball. Hitman One and Two both had one. Yeah, because masks, costume, yeah. the idea of not having an identity. Dude, yeah, go in and murder people. Who knows who the fuck you are? Like, yeah. And that's also... Uh, I know that one of the big ones was the finale of the most recent reboot of Hitman. Mm-hmm. They had like a whole setup where you're supposed to sneak in, kill somebody, disguise yourself as... Because it was an auction masquerade ball. You were supposed to go in and you were supposed to assume the identity of one of the people in the auction, assassinate the head of the auction, and get out without being like detected. Mm-hmm. So... It is a fairly, as you're putting it, it is it's like one trope. of the one of the most fairly commonly used tropes in video games because it's easy to program, easy to write, 
and easy to do. And the art director gets to have fun with it. And the art director is all like, you want me to make a whole bunch of fancy outfits for people? Sure. Yep. And we can charge DLC money for it? <laughs> Yay! Yeah. Hi, Animal Crossing. Yeah. And then later on, around the 18th, it was becoming really popular in colonial America. Until anti-maskers. Literally called anti-maskers. Oh, God. The very first anti-maskers. Ladies and gentlemen, we, we have finally reached, uh, we have reached the crossover episode that absolutely no one wanted, where we are talking about QAnon and masquerade balls in the so same the sentence. anti-maskers were against masquerade balls because they encouraged immorality and foreign influence. So, I mean, not much has changed. I was going to say, it's that that sounds... It must be foreign influence it's it ruining be, our cows and chickens. It's got to be them damn dirty liberals over the border. <laughs> That's the problem. They're already in our borders. Wake up, Jason Sheeple. <laughs> I thought you were part of the wolf gang. guess you're the sheep herd. I guess you're the sheep herder. You're just a sheep. Moo. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. All right, there's my joke for the night. I'm good. One. We, everybody gets one, Peter. Everybody get, gets one. Get one once in a while. <laughs> but masquerades were a good spot, and why they became popular with royalty especially, was um, your gender and sexuality and stuff could be hidden. So, especially for female participants, they no longer had to worry about how they were looked at or seen. I was going to mention that in, I don't know much, but I know a lot of aristocracy use that is a way to if they were in you know say a woman was androgynous she could dress like a guy and get away with it or if somebody was gay they can use that to dress mm -hmm. it's, it's some of the earliest forms of cross-dressing that were more on the low-key side of it mm -hmm. came from masquerade balls yeah it was uh uh, behavioral sci scientists did a whole thing about it, and they called it a, uh, I think it was the involvement shield. Yeah, where you're putting on a mask is called an involved, they called it an involvement shield. Mm -hmm. Meaning you can kind of detach yourself from your actions because people aren't going to know it was you. Diving so you're less likely to judge or hold yourself to someone else's judgment because they don't know who you are. That is a fairly complex theory that I know a little bit about from studying you know doing my own kind of internet stuff it actually has become a problem in recent times because and I'm, I'm going to be delicate about the politics on it things if you look at things that were happening during the George Floyd mm -hmm. things the behavioral scientists were noticing that it wasn't just the people in the crowd the police that were wearing masks because that was part of the uniform mm -hmm. at the time felt more empowered that they could get away with things because yep. you couldn't identify them. They would well, be doing things like covering their badge numbers and wearing a mask, and everyone in the police force was wearing the same exact uniform. Mm -hmm. Well, see, that's no part of the thing with uniforms. Why do you think the stormtroopers in Star Wars all, all the same? All, uh, and that's why, you know, the joke, aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper, lands so well. Yeah. Because he's like clearly like a foot shorter than everybody else because they always liked uniform height but back to this they were going through everything and they were realizing that that the reason some of the escalation from the police happened the way it did is because 
they detached themselves from the situation because they realized that no one could figure out who they were. Mm-hmm. Well, and then you're also and part then, of a larger mass. Yes. Yeah. So and then on the other end of it, too, you had the protesters out there who weren't always necessarily wearing identifiable clothing, but the one commonality was they were all, for the most part, wearing masks. And they were finding similar things where it was... These people were emboldened to do things they wouldn't normally do because they felt like they could get away with it. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not saying... This isn't me delving into my politics on it or anything. No, but it is definitely... It's it's fascinating when you look at modern society, especially in the last 18 to 24 months. As we record this for anyone in the distant future... We're no one's still, gonna listen to no us. No one's in gonna the fucking future. listen to us in the future. There's no future. There won't be sex in the future. They'll just have little syringes. <laughs> and... They'll have a button. <laughs> baby. <laughs> Boonk. <laughs> just something in the wall opens up, a baby pops out. Exactly. But no, uh, we're recording this right now, and we are in month 19 of uh, the global COVID pandemic. Mm-hmm. So it's been interesting for behavioral scientists to look at the events since March of 2020. And figure out what people, how people are reacting to long-term wearing masks. You do have the things like the anti-maskers. Yeah, which is just... Which is just, we're not going to get into the IQ testiness of that. Yeah, uh-huh. and even the people that, the intelligent, there's so many aspects to there's, why that, they, it's just the... Need, this isn't a psychology podcast on that regard. That's all it is. You have aspects like that, and then you have aspects like, what happens when someone you know realizes since everybody's wearing one what can i get away with mm-hmm. you know pushing the limits of what you know society well will. and bring it back to it's october yeah horror movies there's all the killers of have masks have it it's an empowering like because you become something else that's like the ancient greek lore and stuff donning something you become something else yes yeah, there's a whole movie about that it's called the mask there's a whole awesome video game that's widely argued to be one of the best Zeldas, the uh, Majora's Mask. Yeah. Which, fuck that game, that's one of the worst Zeldas, and I will take that to my grave. Three days? Fuck you. You want me to do all this shit in three days, and then keep doing the same shit over and over? No. I'm out. Wow. I fucking hate Majora's Mask, and I hate that it gets so much love. Twilight Princess was a hundred times better. And this has been Reggie's Controversial Facts. No, I, I agree. Out of both of them, and uh, my take on it from a technical perspective is what annoys people. Majora's Mask, as you put, it's the same three fucking days mm-hmm. over and over and over again. And that was and the big like... It's, like I point out, I'm all like, Majora's Mask. It came out what, like a year after Ocarina of Time, yeah. something like that. Like, oh, if only there was a device handy that I could actually look. That, that was out. like their big change to the technicality of the game, and, and that was like what made the game was. It was an asset flip. Yeah. That's and all then, it legitimately was. Uh, you'd put on a mask to get a certain power instead of getting an item. Like, mask became the thing. Where Twilight Princess, the wolf, was, like, such a cool new tool. It became, like, an item just as useful as anything else. Yeah, so... This is back in the day when there needed to be a long lead time between games. Mm-hmm. Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time's release date was November 21st, 1998. April 27th, 2000 is when Majora's Mask came out. Yeah, because they it had an, all the graphics and they, everything It was an asset go. flip. Yeah, it's what's called an asset flip. They took the same engine, mm-hmm. they added like three or four textures, and then they rehashed everything from, Majora, from Ocarina of Time for Majora's Mask. Yeah. 
It's and then just said, hey, do the same thing three times. Yeah, and, and hey, we're going to keep this as self-contained, as easy to make as possible by making a tiny map that you have to play multiple times. Yeah. It does kind of happen in Metroid Dread. Well, that's Metroidvania. That's the whole point. Yeah. Like, um. You like you have to grind and go back to like even the starting areas to get everything as you get the power ups. Back to masks. <laughs> Drawing everything back into uh, the yeah, show. Yeah. Speaking of like changing and donning a mask in uh, the book by Terry Castle, Masquerade and Civilization, he says conventional wisdom held that someone donning a mask, especially a woman experiences an abrupt loss of sexual inhibition. Meaning they're no longer feel chained in a way to have a certain way that can be more sexual because they're less likely to be judged. That's an interesting... And I tried to find a word for like... I thought there had to be a word. It's just mask fetish. It's just mask fetish. I was like, I want some cool... That's lame. I like when I get cool words I can't pronounce. I sound like a a jackass trying to read it. I want to make an ass out of myself on my podcast, goddammit. Yeah, when I see so many consonants that I don't know what to do with it, I just have to hit something with a brick and go, that's the name. I don't know. I think somebody had to see... (laughs) Somebody hit it with a... I think Shrek said it one time, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's like half the time when I'm making badges for people at work. Because I have to do that. I'll look at... And people will try to read last names. Mm, And there's a couple of them recently where I have just gone, you know what? Your last name is G in my book because I'm not going to try that. Mm. And if I try to pronounce it, I'm going to come out an asshole. Yeah, and that's, again, like the masks and the whole idea of masquerade ball. The whole... The game of it is not being yourself. You would think they would have a cool name for that, though. Like no no we're gonna I'm gonna you do some research I'm no. gonna live look this up I tried I just everything I got was mask fetish and then of course my Google searches are all over the place so but yeah allowed it was one of the few places back then too masquerade balls where a woman could go unaccompanied they didn't have to have a male with them present to like be out and doing an event outside of church. So it gave women a lot more freedom. However, it's argued, too, by the other side, that the idea of sexual freedom as a masquerade point of view just makes the woman less empowered because they're only being seen for sex. Well, I mean, it does have a lot of crossover here with some others. Yeah, it's just costume and mask fetish. Dronification is another one it does. But what's the actual... What's dronification, actually? Um... Slavery. Oh. Being put into a latex suit with a gas mask on. Oh. Oh, I guess the uh, word drone? Yeah. It's supposed to be mindless, I guess? Yeah, because also there's a serial numberization of humans in that. I've known a couple... Let's uh, not talk about serializing numbers, people. Yeah, um, I'm going to say, I know a couple of people who have been into it, and it's... Texas are trying to, right now, decide Uh, how to argue the opposite of Holocaust. Yeah, we're we're not going to get into that. Let's not give anybody ideas. Yeah, especially Texans. If there's anybody who listens from Texas. They stopped listening a long time ago. Yeah, because it definitely was seen as a way for... There is a mask... I'm sorry, I've been... Yeah, no, go for it. There is a mask that has the full definition of the word fetish on it, so... I mean, that's a mask. I mean, that is a mask, and it says fetish on it. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm... Hey, it's an intern. (laughs) Hey, 
We have we have an intern. What's that? Dude? Which one? It's the all black. Hannah. What's little Hannah? Hannah. Can you go let uh, momentary break? Can you? So and then of course like moving it into modern times, there's always Mardi Gras is seen as the big one in America at least. Yeah. It's just an excuse to... I mean, they still do in France celebrate some days. Well, yeah, no, because, I mean, that's, like, their tradition. Like, that's... France... It's it's not just Mardi Gras. They have other days, like Bastille Day and stuff like Mm -hmm. that, where it kind of ties in a little. Yeah, America just basically adopted it for a little while, and then it's only made a research... Like, masquerade balls have made a resurgence with people actually throwing masquerade balls. Yeah, I've noticed that here, being back in Portland. It's Well, yeah, like, Portlanders just need a reason to fucking make stuff. That's all it is. That's why masquerade balls I can costume? Yeah. For some reason, everything like, that involves making something and designing always crosses over with steampunk real hard. For, like, no reason. No, everything's got to have a weird little gear and some leather. And, and then goggles. Goggles. It's got to have goggles. Super thick you welding can't have goggles. an engineer in a cartoon if they don't have goddamn goggles. And it's got to be, and you also can't be an evil scientist in a cartoon without the cartoonishly thick welding goggles. They got to look like something straight out of a 1940s movie. But, Gliza, your goggles look really cool. I don't think we she lo- listens, but... We love you, Gliza. But yes, goggles and steampunk. Goggles and steampunk. Which, I mean, then we got the, uh... Then you got gas masks popular now. Which, that's just like a step up. Because the I, masquerade did have the... I got a story that's how on those, gas masks. Well, gas masks for decor was masquerade. Yeah. The big, long, jester ones. Yeah, I've got a story on that. So, at my work, we have... One guy who walked in... And, like, his second day there, he he had asked the first day, he was like, hey, do we have to wear the company-issued masks or we can wear our own from home? And we thought it was going to be something fucking sane. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, okay, yeah, no, no. Like, most everyone here gets a decent mask and wears it because the ones that the company issues are just uh, re- thin throw cloth. Away, no, yeah. no, they're not throwaway, but they're thin cloth, oh. garbagey ones. And he comes in, and the first thing we do go is go, no. No, dude. He walked in, and he had a full, like, custom-painted paint respirator on with all kinds of, like, steampunky stuff on it. And I'm all like, like, I step back and I go, huh. My boss steps out and goes, no. And then hands him one of the cloth ones again, and he just looks so sad. Yeah. No, I just wear a basic fabric one. Even when I'm doing stuff that should I should be using like a real decent mask. Well, you work in a warehouse, so. Well, I mean, it's all formaldehyde, wood chips, and cardboard dust. That's not gonna kill me. <laughs> Yet. Slow not. <laughs> Fingers crossed it does. <laughs> Twenty twenty one, baby. My actually speaking of that, today is an anniversary of mine. Ah, oh, congratulations! Nine years ago, I died. Congratulations! Suck it, Karen. Fucking take me across that river of death. Suck it. Or so, I was broke at the time, probably just couldn't pay him to take me all the way across. He yeah, you died and you didn't have any quarters. And ditched my ass back. Yeah, no, the ferryman was all like, you're fucking broke? Get out of here. Yep. <laughs> ferryman looking at you like, bitch, this boat but, don't ride for free. Tying in with the sexual freedom of masquerading, again, you don't know who's under it. A lot of ability to express, Oh yeah. you know, homosexuality. 
who you are. It's basically original trans dressing. Yeah, in a way, cross dressing and then you know uh, expressing transgender feelings and things like that. Yeah, especially if you figure out who the other person is pretending to be a different gender, and you're like, and then, I want to explore it myself too. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't be amiss to don't be... mention it later. We wouldn't be remiss if before we got into key parties and all of that if we didn't mention the masquerade crossing over with pop play. Mm, I'll let you go with that wow. Uh, that's been most of my experience, honestly, with mask fetishes and things like that. Mm. And it was really kind of a... It, it's an interesting take on it. Because when you're into pop play, and this isn't a criticism on anybody who's in... It's not necessarily my bag. But I do dabble in pet, you know, mm. pet play. I, I like pet play. I like the beaches, collars. I tend to want, you know, I'm not so much a, you know, the main one that everyone goes for is puppy. Like, hey, I can be a, I can be a pup, or I can be a dog, or I can be, I'm a cat. See, the vibe I honestly get from you, little puppy. But that's because you're like super energetic and. Balanced. I'm hyper. Yeah. No, but I've been into that a little bit, like, with with Chris, mm-hmm. I'm her kitten, mm-hmm. so things like that, but... Well, because he, like, head rubs and stuff. Ooh. Yeah, see? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, um, where it um, kind of crosses over into that is I see how it makes a lot of the community feel comfortable is the person I was dating at the time, who was a pop, he would be one person when he wasn't in pup mode, mm-hmm. but he would have a BDSM-style puppyhood, you know, the harness, the whole nine yards. The he tra- would put that on and flip. It's the transformation. And flip It's the idea of putting entirely. on the mask and transforming. Like, he was so sweet in both forms. It was just a different energy level and everything else. It's, it was really mm-hmm. fascinating to me. Well, I mean, and there's whole studies behind the idea, like, comics and superheroes and how... That costume, having your one life and your costume life. The best, the best example of that is Billy Batson and uh, Shazam. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, because it's completely different. It's not like the stereotypical, you know, I put on a suit. It's literally Billy Batson as an eight years old says the word Shazam and becomes fucking Superman. Yeah, like, yeah. There's there's a whole bunch in that where it can cross over into this in a really interesting yeah. way. And the fact that Billy Batson wasn't an evil at like an evil kid, that would have yeah. been that because I mean that could Black Adam Junior. Yeah, but who was? Uh, what movie was it where he talks about how it's Kill Bill? Kill Bill. Yeah, where he talks about how Superman is Superman and Clark Kent is, is his Clark disguise. Kent. Yeah, Clark Kent. He puts is on his disguise. the human disguise. Yeah. That's Samuel L. Jackson in that, isn't it? Is that's one of the? I think it's one of the two, isn't it? In what? Kill, oh, never mind. I was no, thinking of Pulp Fiction. I'm yeah, idiot. no, it's Bill talking it's to Bill Beatrice. Talking to Bill, it's Bill Beatrice. talking to Beatrice. Yeah. And he's like, and it's Superman's take on what a human should is. Yeah. I remember but the that idea now. Of, yeah, putting on a mask, with transforming. Tarantino, with Tarantino films, it always crosses over into weird territory. Yeah. Because always, it's oh, just, great. oops, all Pulp Fiction for me a lot of the time. The Hateful Eight has one of the greatest scenes of all time. Is Jackson talking about getting some dude to suck his dick? And you know what? He never got that blanket. Fucking love that. The Hateful Eight was an interesting one. I, well, because I'm a fan of The Thing. The Thing yeah. is one of the greatest horror films. And that's basically The Thing. Yeah. Like, if you break it down, it's The Thing. 
Oh yeah, that one. I have seen interesting parallels to that one where somebody's like, yeah, if you just break it down, it's entirely the thing. Yeah, especially the ending. Two guys. You don't know if they live. You don't know if they die. You don't know if they're on each other's side. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. So key parties. Key parties functions in that similarity of it's not and like maybe you, you don't get to hide who you are. But there's that freeing of... Maybe we should go back a little bit and explain what a key party is for the uninitiated. Because they aren't... If Jumping it's, ahead a little bit, is it? it's not so much of a thing in the age of the internet oh, as oh, I... Oh, we're oh, going to get to it. Oh, God. Okay. It's not so much a thing. I want you to remember that. Oh, let me guess. This is the part where I take this foot that I have in my hand right now and shove it right down my throat. So, key party is described as an event. It originated air quotes in the 70s yeah where you'd show up to a party the males would put their keys in a jar and this was all heterosexual as legend has as so the scribe tells so it shall be you know they were singles there were couples it was an open but generally Mm -hmm. a one-to-one ratio would be ideal and uh so you have just a regular social gathering, and then at the end of the night, the women would draw keys, and whoever keys they drew is who they went home with. And by going home, it is implied sex was involved. Now, we can discuss the levels of consent that may or may not have ever been used in these scenarios. That's what I was going to imply. Kind of, it's kind of implied it's a contractual agreement. That, that, that's where I was going to get into it a little bit now that we got into the basics. The polyamory community has a lot to say on key partying. In my person, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay out of that waiting pool for the most part. Quick question, have you ever attended a key party? No, I have not. Have you ever talked to someone who has been to an actual key party? No. It is the fucking Bigfoot of the kink community. No one knows anyone, and no, no one's been to one. That's what I was going to get into. This is one of those things that, from everything, like, and I'm not going to talk about this because I don't claim to be an expert on polyamory at all, but from what I hear about it, you are dead on. It's one of those things where it's all like, you hear about them on the periphery, mm-hmm. and you're sitting there going, okay, so have you ever been to one? No. Do you know anyone who's ever been to one? No. Do these things actually happen, or was this a thing that popular... Is that The running theory that I have on it is it was... Um, do you know the uh, psychological theory of the big fish? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking this is a big fish tale that got way out of fucking hand. And I actually have an, I, an idea of the origins of the stories. Ooh, we'll get into that in a minute. But I will say there was a article... In the journal Sex Research in 1970, titled Co-Marital Sex and the Sexual Freedom Movement, and they discussed key parties where they did a survey from 1967 to 1968, hundreds of Bay Area <coughs> people that participate in it, sexual subcultures, not a single one had ever been to a key party. Yeah, this is where it gets weird, because like the implications that you've hinted at in this are that you put your keys in the jar, mm-hmm. you draw the keys, and that you will fuck whoever you grab the keys from. Like, consent or not, in 
even thinking about that just squigs me out. Mm-hmm. Because it's, you know, being polyamorous, consent and communication are key. If you go into the situation... Takes it all out. And it, it, it removes either one of the two pegs. You can walk in and consent, but you can't revoke it. Mm-hmm. Because at the very end of the night, if you back out, you're, so, you're a social pariah and kicked out of the whole social group. Or you walk into it and you don't know what you're getting into. There are just too many points in it where you where you don't know what you're you, where you could have the a not failure. getting into it. There's a movie called The Ice Storm, which is the number one movie that kept coming up when I was looking up key parties. It's one of the few movies that it's a central role to the film, and it's back basically like one weekend. A couple goes to a key party not knowing what to expect. Drugs, all kinds of stuff happen. Yeah. And, like, you'll see all of them depicted in Hollywood. You'll even see them in things like... Eyes Wide Shut. Eyes Wide Shut. You'll, you know, like, they they imply these happen fairly regularly. But they're conflated with the idea of a swingers party. It's conflated with the idea of swingers. And it's also... It was... The idea of it was formulated at the same time people were putting down swingers and putting down hippies so they had to come up with something they had to come up with something to make the boogeyman yeah and that is kind of like one of those things where it smacks really heavily of nearly post cold war fear mongering because Mm -hmm. it's one of those things to where if it actually happened okay why at this point in our history it's been around since the 70s have you not had anybody come out okay and you say 70s it would be ripe the thing in my head it'd be ripe for a serial killer back in the golden age of serial killers to just walk in do that and murder someone and get completely away with it again we're back to masquerades this is see this is why i thought these two masquerades and key parties honestly yeah no this is a fascinating once i started actually researching it yeah yeah no there's a lot of there's a lot of crossover there but again this is one of those it's like the 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 big fish where somebody went and told the story and then it just kept getting bigger and weirder and there is a uh you were saying 70s which 60s 70s is the accepted timeline of when yeah the sexual terry gold at a Art, I believe it was an article. It could have been a book. Or no, it's a uh, it's a small book called The Lifestyle, A Look at the Erotic Rights of Swingers. And there's a passage where he talks about heard of it. two doctors in the 40s, 50s, and 60s who talked to World War II pilots. Didn't they? And it started as, and this is all secondhand account again, where they claimed that the pilots were the ones that started the wife swapping and key parties. There's a TV show that chronicles the start of that kind of movement too. Yeah. I can't remember the name of it. They yeah. So that's it was that the book that it was based off of? Most likely. Because there's a whole thing that I've wanted to see forever. But if anybody in the this is my one of the few times I'm actually going to say it. it I have researched this, and I cannot find it. If anybody listening right now knows the name of this show, it from what I remember, watching the trailers for it, it chronicles the sexual revolution movement and the birth of the swingers movement, 
really early on and it's about one of the doctors that is like goes from studying the movement into actually being one of like like the motivational speakers going around mm -hmm. proclaiming that polyamory is like great in all of that you know mm -hmm. like like extolling the virtues of it yeah and i would be really fascinated to watch it i just can't remember the name if anybody can help me out shoot me a tweet i would like to do an episode like a future episode about things like uh steward eye steward people i don't want to say stewardess because you know non-gender steward die i guess and pilots and flight attendants pilots i like steward die i like making words stew or die god and reggie here with the van soaking stew baby <laughs> you're gonna stew or die and like just because the because i mean that's got to be pretty like i've always heard those are really sexualized positions because you're only in one spot I mean, especially Honestly, if you work I wouldn't ships. mind doing a whole episode on it because as somebody who's looked into some of that studying history mm -hmm. it can get really dicey but really interesting because yeah. you are dead accurate and we won't touch on it too much because we want to save it but yeah. contracts go heavily into it Acting in the you know just generalize the sexual freedom movement mm -hmm. and just generally how trash men are. Yeah, well, really, stewardess too. Um, one you of can the use the term stewardess for the, that era Stu because yeah, because but they one of the common misconceptions. Most of the people working that plane, it's their first time seeing each other. They're not like it's not like a charter ship where they all work together for, for a months and yeah. yeah, it's it's, it's either, like they're on that plane to get back over here, so they're working that. They're deadheading plane. it, basically working the plane to go somewhere else to go home. Yeah, so they don't have any connection to these other people. There are certain ones now, knowing some flight attendants, where it is a regular route and they will work with a regular, mm -hmm. but it's a that's like the short hop flights that don't have a whole shitload of connections in between. Yeah. Like when I was flying in and out of St. Louis you would see the regular flight attendants for the most part where it would be like somebody flying into or out of Seattle. Mm -hmm. And then they would they would start their day in Seattle and then they would spend overnight in St. Louis and then go back to Seattle and spend one night there. Kind of a thing. There they would do multiple jumps on the same day back and forth between these two locations. Anyway, I, back to... Back to key parties not yeah. existing. Yeah, reeling, yeah, reeling the pod car back onto the rails. There is... I found an article on metro.co.uk. So. You can just say the metro. The it's, daily metro. Yeah. 12 things you need to know going to a swinger party. Which is not a key party. Number one. No, people don't throw their keys in a bowl. That so. one, I have known people who have gone to swingers parties, which are not key parties. Completely different. Completely fucking different. And that's where I think the idea gets conflated into key parties. That's... I'll tell you where I think it originated from. Ooh. So, and I got this from a very close personal friend of mine. Back then, during the 60s, 70s, they started really cracking down on drunk driving. So, at parties, you would take your keys and put them in a bowl. And so then to get your keys back, you had to be sober enough to drive. That's where the idea of having, you know, getting put your keys in your a keys, bowl. Put your keys in a bowl. So then, oh, I got the wrong key. Oh, no, that's my key. Okay, give me my key. That gets conflated to, oh, if you, you know, a little you grab joke. the wrong keys. And then it becomes, did you hear what 
Allison did yesterday. Yeah. And then it just keeps growing and, and growing. Then Allison's and then, a hoe. <laughs> and then some, you know, group gets a hold of it that's against swingers. And it's like, and I bet that's what drunk driving gets a hold of it. And then it becomes the, you know. Oh, man. I've been to so many mothers against drunk driving. For some reason, that was a big thing with our middle school. Mars was dare. Oh, we I remember had... dare. <laughs> Remember, kids, if you smoke one marijuana, you're gonna turn into a you're gonna turn into a you know a mushroom and die. Fucking dare. I love those shirts though. That I'm not gonna like, lie. That became like a punk symbol too. I know. Drinking a forty wearing a dare shirt. Dude, the best thing I did during high school was wearing my middle school dare shirt because it still fit, and I was sitting there smoking a punk yeah. all day. Dude, it's the best. Again, Dad, sorry if you're listening. You're learning a lot more about me than you ever wanted that to know. That dare lion was the greatest. He was the best pot buddy anybody could have. And then, uh... McGruff the crime yeah, dog. Yeah, I was about to say, then there was McGruff. Dude, as somebody who lived in Chicago, McGruff the crime dog is a national fucking treasure and we don't touch him. <laughs> yeah, they need to bring him back. I want some animated... I want, like, an animated Dude. series. Dude, but we like definitely a dark, need, we need a dark, gritty reboot of McCruff the yeah. Crime Dog, where he starts out on the street, homeless, strung yeah. out drugs. And that's what gets him, and you, you know, turns his it. life around, but that's what gets him into a special unit, because he's got all these connections. Yeah, right? God, we're, uh, we're starting... This better not become something unless we get contacted first. Yeah, exactly. Studio execs, and I know I have a few contacts in some studios, reach out to me on Twitter and DM me. This will make you a zillion dollars. But see, the thing is, we can't use McGruff. Because there's going to be licensing. I'm sure someone owns copyrights to McGruff. The the Chicago Police Department owns McGruff the Crime Dog. Do you not know the story of McGruff? He was created, if memory serves right, the reason he kind of existed like in the hearts of a lot of Chicagans is because he was kind of created, and my wife can confirm this later, McGruff the Crime Dog was a thing that Chicago came up with in like the 80s to teach kids about drugs, and the government kind of came in and went, that's a good idea, and kind of just took it away from them. I'm going to have to do, I love doing research now, so (laughs) I'm going to Now you have a homework assignment. Let's see. Uh... So, just a quick question: Would you ever be interested in doing a like participating in a key party if this legendary unicorn presented itself to nope. you? Absolutely not. You just the risk isn't the risk does not justify the ends and also <laughs> consent. <laughs> the ends, yeah, yeah, to the end. <laughs> but man, man, you have the jokes today. Um, no, um, the consent aspect of it bothers me. Mm-hmm. Where I you don't, just don't like it as a uh, concept. In I don't like it as a concept because it goes against some of the fundamentals of polyamory, which are open communication yeah. and consent. Yeah, where which is like your cornerstone. It's it, that's my cornerstone in it mm-hmm. entirely. Where I don't like removing the aspect where somebody like feels like they have to. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. I don't like wanting to feel like the person I'm sleeping with is only doing it because they feel obligated to. Mm-hmm. I don't. But I could see it being used as that direct reason that control. Like, because some people get off on that control aspect. I could. That's s- that. Then goes into consent. Yeah, because they're because already you already pre-cons- know they're yeah. pre-consenting to non-consent. Mm-hmm. Non-consent is a very interesting fetish where. The, um, the implication is that you had a communication with them already saying, you know, it gets into... Safe words. Into Let's bring safe up words. safe words, very important. Safe words, very important. Boundaries, very important to discuss ahead of time. Mm-hmm. 
discussing all of this ahead of time, when it gets into key parties, there just isn't enough fucking time. Like, hmm. you could meet someone you have no idea what... You're, you know, you got 30 seconds to decide, and there's too much social pressure involved in it yeah. to be and also, anything but squiggly. The internet's kind of killed the, like, idea of the you don't know hookup the blind date yeah there's no more like oh my friend knows a friend that has a friend yeah and also just safe sex in general is not mm. the smartest fucking idea yeah like what's to stop somebody from hosting one of these key parties that has hiv mm-hmm. well that was a big thing back then too and that so was a big thing and another scare tactic to say don't fuck other people don't fuck other guys in the ass mm. You will yeah, get. Yeah. You God doesn't don't like you. Don't fuck gays. Don't fuck blacks. That was the whole push with the HIV thing. Mm-hmm. Which fucked the government for that shit. Like, no, let's just let's just go ahead and alienate some of the user base right now. Fuck Ronald Reagan. No, there's Reaganomics, I mean, the there world's worst lie. form of economy. And it's on. It's both sides. <laughs> Republicans and Democrats have been shitty. Bill Clinton was not a great president. He was just, people look at him positively because he was not shit compared to the ones surrounding him. Well, that, he we, got a blowjob in the Oval. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, he got a blowjob. Like, he got a blowjob in the Oval. And he that got fucking chill. dragged over coals where then they go, the same people that hated that went and elected Trump. I do Man. love, I can't wait. The one thing I want to say, if Melania ever writes a biography tell-all, I will buy that book. Because... Uh, I will, I, will, I will. There are some pictures I'm, and clips I want explained. The little hand slaps and the. I'm wondering where she's been, honestly. Honestly, I think they got divorced. You think they're fully I, I done? I think they're fully done. I, I think they were fully done two years in. Oh, easily. Like, easily, like six months in, Melania did, like, just realized, ev- oh shit, I'm actually in front of a camera and I don't want to be. She did one event and was like, this is dumb. I do not like the kids. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, I don't like. Why did, you make him, why did you make her sound like Gandhi? There? I know, because I normally go with Russian, so now I gotta get away from and the, the Russian. And the only one that I would go for would sound like fucking. God. God, Robbie Coltrane and fucking Goldeneye, man. <laughs> yeah, that's that my only. Bad. That's my only Russian accent, and that's the secret to my Russian accent. I just copied Robbie Coltrane's performance mm. in Goldeneye, and that would not suit Melania Trump. It would be like, Donald, I don't like you. Since we mentioned Grinch, how the Grinch stole Christmas with their key party reference, there was also key parties, of course, in that '70s show. Yeah, we're not going to get into that one. And there was one in The Simpsons. The one in The, the Simpsons. 500 Keys. I was going to say, the one in The Simpsons was the one with the 500 Keys, yep. right? Yeah. The, the episode's called 500 Keys. Yeah, I was going to say that. I, I'm, I've watched a lot of Simpsons. But I believe the key party, yeah, because that's when uh, Midge and Bob were swingers. And Red and uh, the wife go over. Mm-hmm. And it's a key party. Mm-hmm. And if I recall, Red gets pissed, but... Uh, that explains every episode of that 70s show. Yeah, it, it, the it, wife it, was interested. And then Red got pissed. Yeah. It's basically and then the Red entire... threatened feet being imposed into asses. <laughs> exactly. You have described 99.3% of every episode of that yeah. 70s show. Midge did something, Red got pissed. Yeah, so as far as everything I could look up, I can't decide if I want to call key parties Bigfoot or Unicorn. Because I think... Bigfoot. 
Bigfoot scary, stinky. Bigfoot unicorn's an actual term in the polyamory and swinger community. Oh, is it has an equal. No, a unicorn's a term for any a lot of things. No, it's it has a very specific connotation in the swingers community that don't conflate the two. Okay, so then let's what's um, a, what's unicorn? unicorn is the colloquial the colloquial term. There's two of them. There's unicorn and unicorn hunters. Unicorn hunters. This sounds like a fun game. I'm gonna be honest. It is not. So unicorn hunters. No, but I mean, if there was a game where your whole objective was hunting would unicorns, you like, to play a game? <laughs> like that's better than Monster Hunter World. Fuck that. Fuck, yeah, we're not gonna get into that. Um, but so unicorn hunters and as basic make a mobile game. Basic terms as I can put it are in polyamory, a lot of people who we refer to as baby poly end up unintentionally, you know, when you're first starting out, turn into unicorn hunters, which there it's a couple. That generally you know it by the internet meme. Hey, I was looking at you from across the bar. My husband and I think you're cute. Do you want to hang out? And it's very predatory. And it always, always, always ends up destroying marriages and people get hurt. I fell into a unicorn hunting situation unintentionally with somebody early on in my life. So then what makes someone a unicorn? Yeah. The unicorn is generally referred to as the person who either knowingly or unknowingly falls into the column of being bisexual, open to an open relationship, and willing to fuck. Mm. Because you never get all three at the same time. They are like a unicorn. Mm. You never find so you will always find someone who will be down for a threesome. You never find someone who wants a relationship that wants both the guy and the girl at the same time. It's that mythical unicorn of somebody who's absolutely perfect to bring in your relationship as the third. And it doesn't and exist. And it never really exists. Mm. You can fool yourself into thinking it exists. Hence the term unicorn. Because you can fool yourself all you want. But I have, as far as I go, I know there are several, you know, there are people out there who have had successful three-way relationships. Mm. And I'm not knocking that. There can be three-way relationships that work, but you never see it being that they always want to fuck both people at the same time on demand, where it's the perfect. I What really sucks is he's showing me the pink unicorn guy photo right now, and what really sucks is the minute I said that it was a polyamory term, that's the exact image that popped into my head, because it goes around every, oh... Yeah, no, he's got a lot of pictures. Um, that's got to be Photoshop. My mouth watered a little there. See, I don't like that. Uh, all that no, muscle. No, no, I wasn't focusing on the muscles. No, there was a big <laughs> part of his pants missing. I was gonna say there's a big part of his pants missing there, and uh, yeah, I go for that. Assless chaps aren't a thing; they're just called chaps. What was that from again? I don't know. I know there was something that somebody mentioned that, and it was a line from a movie where he goes, where, I think it was, no, I think it was Psych, My where God. Sean Spencer mentions that. He goes, you know what really grinds me? Ashless chaps aren't assless chaps. They're just, just called chaps. <laughs> They're inherently assless. Well, so you taught me unicorns. That's a new one for me. <coughs> yeah. And unicorn hunting is... Really toxic Predator. and bad. Okay. Really toxic and bad. 
That's funny. It can work out. I will add in before people climb into the comment section. I was really generalizing it. I know that three-way poly relationships can work wonderfully at points. I do. It is rare that one, like, the key ingredient is is you don't find somebody who wants to, you know, is down all the time for everything all at once, and no one ever gets hurt, and you all live happily ever after and walk across the Rainbow Bridge together. That is really hard to find. Just the other day, I was listening to the podcast Pen Pals with Daniel and Rory. That's uh, Rory Scovel and Daniel Van Kirk. Huh. I'll give it and a yeah, they get like people send them letters and ask questions, and they do them on air. And they did a, uh, they did one episode where someone asked. There was a dominatrix mistress asked about terms, like you know she had just learned the term pegging, and so then that got them talking about terms, and so then they started looking up terms. Oh God! And I was like. I'm listening to this. This is the same reason people listen to our shit. <laughs> like <laughs> They're cribbing our bit. No, I wasn't, because I'm always surprised when someone's like, oh, I listen to your show. I'm like, why? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's kind of like uh, the two guys that I work with, they went, we listen to your show, and I went, my exact answer was, I went, why? Yeah, it's always weird to think, like, because like, we just I'm, do it like. I'm proud, and I'm. Oh yeah, Happy. I love doing this. It's just weird I'm, to think that people actually listen. Then I look at the numbers. I'm like, oh, people actually, actually people listen. actually listen. Yeah, I'm all like, okay. I mean, even if we're you know, and before because we're kind of winding down on this episode, and we got another one coming up in a minute that we'll tease. But uh, honestly, if you're listening to this, even just as background audio on your way to work, oh yeah, I'm glad we entertain you. Like seriously. We're just a couple of schmucks talking about sex. We really appreciate the fact that uh, we really appreciate all of you. In the next few months, we're going to be trying to... I, I know I've been teasing this for fucking months now, but now that the moves are all settled and everything like that, I want to crank down and I want to actually, you know, maybe, you know, make some stuff out of this. Maybe, you know, make a Patreon, do some extra mm-hmm. little bits. You know, actually make something a little bit more out of it, if that's, you know... Oh, hell yeah, I want to, like... Yeah. This is what I mean. I've been on the. I've been head head in the show for like over a year. Yeah, and I want to actually, you know, kind of, you know, step back in, you know, delve in and help out a little bit more around yeah, here. Get I off mean, your I, lazy ass. Get off my lazy fucking I'll start ass. Start pounding it. I mean, <laughs> Dios mío, hi papi. Dios mío, papi. Um, but uh, yeah, no. Honestly, there will be a Patreon coming up if you guys feel like you want to throw us coffee money or whatever. I mean, we could get one of those. No. Buy me a coffee? Buy me a coffee. That's one of the weirdest... I'm cute enough to be on that. Dude, you have an OnlyFans already. No, not yet. When is the launch date? I don't know, but I got pictures. Now I've been hanging out with someone that likes pictures. I'm not gonna ask. (laughs) Trying to be rude. No, I'm good. Hey. But yeah. yeah. (laughs) It is is fun hanging out with someone that listens to the mm -hmm. podcast. So... Well, I'm not going to name drop it entirely here, but the other podcast I work with that I cheat on you with has like multi-thousand listeners a week. So it's oh. just weird hearing when I heard Ben and Adam actually mention they listened to the podcast, I went, why? Yeah, I mean, right. I'm not complaining. Thank you. But there's like little to no crossover in the topics. It's not bad. Yeah. It's just, no, but sometimes just listening to stuff's fun. Yeah, it is. And he, he just goes, honestly, your energy's amazing. So I'm like, okay. My next, uh, my next project I want to do another podcast is my own creative thing. I want to do an audio drama. I'm giving myself like a year to get a couple episodes, but do like... Can I, uh, 
And you can edit this out. Can I give you a hand with some voice acting? I was going to look into that kind of thing. And I, don't, I, figured I have you a would lot of probably, voice talent that I can use I, for that. You came to mind. I just didn't want to like throw more podcasts at you. Or, uh, honestly, with the it other would be one more. It wouldn't be kind of like this. We it would be like here's a recording session. I get it because it's going to be an audio. It's going to be it's going to be an audio drama and it has to be set up. And I might be able to actually help you out with studio space for that and stuff. Yeah, and I want because like, I, I think a lot it'd be of fun. I want to do a little bit of a foley work too. Like I know you can get sounds online and stuff, but I think foley work would be fucking awesome. And just as a little bit of a tease for the next episode... Um, well, we don't know if it's going to be a full episode. It might be part... We might just do, like, a multiple pieces for a Halloween special. Yeah, that would be actually an it interesting really one. It depends how long... So, well, a little bit of a tease is is my, uh, my wife's a professional tarot reader, and we're going to be discussing tarot and sex. Mm-hmm. That's at least one of the segments coming up. We might also... Are we doing a reading? Who's... Oh, she would... I'm not going to... I'm not going to speak for her. I'm not going to speak for her. If she wants to do one, that's fine. Yeah, I think it'd I don't, be... I don't, I don't, my wife and I have a thing with communication where I'm not going to speak for yeah, her yeah. on that no, one, I'll and she her. does do it every day. Yeah, I'll ask her. Yeah, but if she's down for it, we would gladly do a I reading think, on the show. Yeah, because I think it'd be... I will give you a fair warning, which she will give you also. If you want a reading on yourself, she is blunt. No, well... Honestly, we'll I'm okay do. with that. Okay, good. You don't get to look like this without taking shit your whole life. So I'm blunt as shit. I'm I okay worked for your dad. You think I don't know? <laughs> Jesus. <coughs> Speaking of red foreman, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna put my boot up your ass. Fucking like that's why I couldn't watch that '70s angry show. Angry nom vet. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. We love he's you. He's actually a sweetie. But he's, he's a big softy at heart, really, but sorry, Dad, if you're actually he's listening to this. Yeah. Like, you, like, you can see, you know, like, drill sergeant eyes mm. and knife hand come out every once in a while. But yeah, so... Um, that'll be something that's gonna be... That'll be something we actually do instead of just say that we are going to do, and then it just never happens. Yeah. <laughs> like, some of this stuff. Like, some of this stuff. So... Honestly, with that in mind, it has been a wonderful episode. This was a yeah. This I, was one of the best ones yet, I think. I, it's not just to, one of those not to cast myself up. But. Really fun to like look up, and I'm liking the. I mean, just you know, to say how the show basically has turned out. I've started doing a lot of research, and you go with gut and experience, and it's a good like. It's a good combo. It's a good play. Yeah, it's a good play because honestly. I am going to start doing a little bit of my own mm-hmm. research, but I noticed that you enjoy the research I a do, little bit. I do, because I find weird shit. The, at the end of the day with me, it's a matter of, I got a kid, I got a wife, yeah. I got other things, and I don't. it's not that I don't want to. With the other podcast I write for, mm-hmm. which kind of annoys her at points, it involves watching copious amounts of Star Trek and cracking bad jokes about yeah. it. Like, right now, we're going through old episodes of TNG, but uh, at the end of the day, sometimes I just want to decompress. Yeah. And this is a good decompression for me, and I can lend in my experience and let you be the IQ yeah. of... <laughs> you be IQ, I the be dumb. I be the dumb. Because I go down fucking rabbit holes with Oh, this. yeah, no. Yeah, <laughs> like, I was going to say, Reggie. Reggie's like the one who will post on Facebook, well, I've, uh, I spent nine hours researching masks. I'm still into the puppets and jump pumping and... Yeah. Puppets especially. Oh, yeah. I'm now noticing weird puppets. Well, now that you've gotten often. into Squid Game as well... I have not watched Squid Game. 
I, I have, now no longer feel the need to because Saturday Night Live summed it all up for me. Yeah, I I was like, uh, thanks for ruining it. I, it doesn't look like it was anything to. It's not bad. Yeah, it's not bad. I've watched most of it. It's not bad. Oh, we have a uh, intern. So so I mean, if you're gonna throw a key party or a masquerade ball, you're gonna want to make sure your sheets are cleaned. And you've gotten yourself tested before and after. Especially after. Especially after. And you've been listening to Six, Six Sheets, Sheets Under. Ay, papi. Dios mío. I didn't know Hannah was trapped in here. I'm Me sorry. Either.